Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number two of The Fit Habit. My name is Karen, and I am your host. So with this edition, what I really wanted to do was start with a platform of nutritional philosophy. I'm not suggesting my nutritional philosophy is the one that's going to work for you, and I'm not suggesting that I have any sort of regimented philosophy that falls in one school or camp. But what I do encourage uh, the people that I train is to become a sleuth in terms of their own diet and understand what works for them and what doesn't. I am always leery of coaches that provide quote unquote meal plans where it's, you know, 100 grams of chicken breast and 200 grams of broccoli and, you know, 25 grams of dark chocolate or whatever the case may be and, you know, sketched out over four to six meals a day. I've had that in terms of my own coaching experience, in terms of people who've coached me. And sure, you can lose weight that way, but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be a pleasant experience. I certainly know that when I was training for Miss Bikini Universe, I was starving most of the time and I was really cranky and I had brain fog all the time. And I know the reason for that now. I do have a bit of, I don't know if it's an allergy or just a food sensitivity to grains. And I was on a very traditional bodybuilding diet, which was, you know, your egg whites and oats and brown rice and Ezekiel bread. And a lot of those things just didn't work for me. And it wasn't until I actually did the Whole30 program. And if you're not familiar with that, I encourage you to look it up. It's sort of an autoimmune protocol where for 30 days, you take out all allergen-related foods out of your diet. And it is hard. I will not fool you on that one. I think I lasted like 21 days and then I broke down, had a glass of wine. But what I took away from that experience was that I actually do have sensitivities both to dairy and to grains. Because I remember the first morning I put oats back in my diet. I used to have oatmeal every day for breakfast. And I had to lay down about an hour later, less than an hour later. I was so tired and went into that kind of brain fog place. And that was sort of the initial, hello, you actually don't do well on all foods, which is what I thought I had before. But I also had a lot of sort of low-grade chronic health, let's call them issues, like, you know, irregularity and bloating and gas and stomach pain and you know, not always feeling great and feeling tired a lot, which are things that I think a lot of us feel a lot of the time and just ignore it because we think these are, you know, a casualty of life that I'm tired because, you know, I had to get up at six o'clock to go to work this morning. They're not tired because my nutrition is off. So when I did the Whole30, it really opened my eyes to the fact that, yeah, I actually do have some food sensitivities and I started to, to dig a little deeper into that. And as I started to do more and more research, I realized that there's a wealth of knowledge out there on, you know, reasons why we shouldn't necessarily be consuming gluten or grains or definitely sugars. Many of these things that do have deleterious consequences over the long term that we may not realize in the shorter term. And the sad thing is that I didn't actually necessarily get that information from my personal training education. I find that, and I, you know, I'm not knocking personal trainers by any means, but I do find that a lot of the information that exists in these textbooks are based on science, science that what that is now a little bit outdated. And we're learning a lot more about the impact of certain foods in our diet and how they're impacting, you know, our chronic and increasingly growing epidemic around obesity and diabetes and heart disease. 
there's a reason all this stuff is happening. And and I didn't find that my training and, and I was trained through the NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is one of the most highly regarded certifications. And certainly it's not a, it's not a doctorate, but it's supposed to be a groundwork for health and fitness information to help others improve their health and fitness in their lives. And I felt like the academic information that I consumed and, you know, passed my exam with really was not only lacking, but somewhat dangerous. When I look at some of the more recent health studies that are coming out and just generally following, I don't want to call these people gurus, but following some of the preeminent leaders in health and nutrition these days, you know, look at the Peter Atias of the world that have a perspective not just from medicine, but also perhaps in some cases as well from nutrition, because the two are very different and most medical doctors aren't trained in nutrition at all. But when you have a perspective of somebody who is a medically trained physician and also has advanced information in nutrition, you got to stop and listen to what they're saying. And when you start looking at some of the more recent studies that are coming out, that point to gluten and grains and sugars and a myriad of other things like cheap factory farm meats and how they're impacting our bodies, you really have to stop and look. And I know that not everybody's interested in this stuff. So I'm going to stop right there and say that part of what I'm doing here is to filter and curate some of that information and dispel it here in a digestible format so that you can take what you need and what you like from it and move on into your own life. And to that end, let's kind of move on with the topic of discussion today, which is what to eat. And where this comes from is a girlfriend and I were chatting the other day, and she's about my age, mid-40s, and she was complaining that she was starting to gain noticeable weight that had never been there before. She'd always had like a rockin' physique and not with, you know, any sort of intentional work behind it. She was just one of those people that was blessed with great genes. And she's noticed with hormonal changes and maybe just pushing the envelope a little bit too much, she has started to move in the direction that she doesn't want to go in. And I sought my opinion in terms of what she should eat. And I started giving her the science that I just gave you that, you know, oh, modern science is actually coming up with all these great scientific reasons why we shouldn't have grains and, and you know, healthy fats and omega-3 to omega-6 balancing and yada, yada. And she's like, just, just tell me what to eat because I'm busy. I'm a single mom. I don't have time for this. Just tell me what to eat. And I actually hear that quite a bit. It's quite funny. People don't want to hear the science behind things necessarily. They just want to know what to eat. But getting back to that whole, I will never give you and eat 100 grams of this and 100 grams of that uh, at each meal type of meal plan. I'm going to meet you in the middle. I'm going to give you some parameters of what you might want to try and introduce to you the Whole30 protocol and see if that might pique your interest. Maybe it won't and that's okay. But here's where I'm willing to sort of meet you in the middle. And basically what we did was run down her daily diet, which she would eat in a day, in a day. And I kind of pulled it apart in a very gentle way and said, well, you know, maybe there's too much of this and too much of that. Maybe you need a little bit more of this. And she has taken that. And I actually don't know what she did with it. This wasn't a client of mine. It was just a friend. But I'm going to share with you what I shared with her. So essentially what she would have on a daily basis breaks down this way. And we'll start off with breakfast. She always had every single day for as long as she can remember a bagel with fat-free cream cheese and a glass of OJ. So what's wrong with this? First of all, there's gluten, there's sugar, a lot of sugar in bagels. Actually, very often there's high fructose corn syrup, which is just a whole other level of gong show that you don't want to go to. 
there is is very nutrient poor for a cal- calorically dense food, a bagel, and fat-free cream cheese is missing the number one component that you would want out of a cream cheese, which is healthy fats. They also tend to have a lot of sugar. Cream cheese, te- you know, the Philadelphia cream cheese tends to be a little on the processed side, but I won't get too picky. And a glass of orange juice is just like, you know, you might as well sit down and have a box of Smarties. And that's if you're Canadian. If you're American, you might want to just have M&Ms instead. Actually, I'd be really curious if I were to look at a label of Tropicana right now to find out how many grams of sugar per serving there is in that. Now, Tropicana in particular, I watched a commercial the other day. They were saying, oh, we don't add any sugar to our orange juice. It doesn't matter. There's so much sugar, by the way, of fructose in orange juice or any fruit juice, if you will. They don't need to add sugar. It's already like, it's already poison the way it is. So I encourage you to get away from fruit juice entirely. Because remember, fructose is translated into the body as glucose. It spikes insulin. If there's too much insulin in the body and it doesn't know what to do with it, it's going to store it as fat and you'll end up getting metabolic syndrome. So that's a whole other conversation there. But don't drink. For this, the takeaway is don't have fruit juices, please. So what I said to her instead, what you might want to consider having is a veggie omelet. And she told me, hell's to the no, because I don't have time for that in the morning. I've got to get my kid ready for school and we've got to be out the door by seven o'clock. So I said, okay, what you do instead is on Monday, boil like 12 hard-boiled eggs or make hard-boiled eggs, and you could do that at night, and put them in the fridge. And in the morning or even at night, portion them out. So you have like a little Ziploc baggie with three hard-boiled eggs in it or a little Tupperware thing with three hard-boiled eggs in it. And I'm sorry, but that takes absolutely no time. And hard-boiled eggs are great if you can tolerate eggs. Most people can, but it is there is an allergen base there. There's a lot of healthy fats. There's a lot of protein. They're really a perfect food when you're getting free range organic eggs. Now, organic eggs, there's a little bit of controversy over that. Um, Many of the egg producers are saying there's no such thing because all of these chickens get fed corn. If you can get pasture-raised, they're not getting fed corn. They're eating bugs and, and grass and whatever else have you. I highly recommend investing in good eggs not just because it's the most humane thing you can do, but also it is the best thing that you can do for your health. So another thing that you can have if you are pressed for time is a protein smoothie. So if you can tolerate dairy, go for a whey protein-based shake, and it's always best to get grass-fed if you can. Alternatively, there's some great pea proteins and also get rice or hemp protein. Hemp protein is kind of It's got a very strong flavor. Rice is technically a grain, but they do extract the protein from it. I'm not even sure if any of the grain DNA is left in that actual protein. Pea protein is fantastic. Again, look for non-GMO if you can find it. And just a scoop of that in a blender with some ice, a little bit of almond milk, some peanut butter or coconut oil if you want. You want some healthy fats in there. I always put spinach in my smoothies, fresh spinach, and I know you probably think that sounds gross, but the spinach gets blended into such a fine degree that you can't even taste it. It just makes it, gives a smoothie a little bit of a velvety texture. And maybe a few berries. I do frozen organic berries. are always in my freezer. I avoid bananas because they're very high in sugar. So if you're a big banana person, look at bananas as a treat. They're not something that you want to have like two or three in a day thinking those are the healthiest choice you can have for a snack. They're really high in sugar. They have very high GI. 
So that's what I would recommend for her for breakfast, whether or not she went ahead and did that, I am not sure. Habits are hard to break. I had tea and toast with peanut butter on it for 40 years of my life, and that was hard to walk away from, but eventually I did, and I felt much better for it. Here's the reason why you want to do that. Because in the morning, if you're starting off with a lot of sugar and a lot of starch, you're going to spike and then you're going to crash. And you probably notice that if your diet does include like toast and juice and that sort of thing, that you're probably tired by like 10 o'clock in the morning, really tired. And that's really because of you're having a glucose crash. So, you know, when you have a lot of sugar, your insulin spikes and then a drops dramatically. And that's why you need that 10 a.m. coffee. If you change to something like a veggie, a protein, and a fat, and when I say veggie, I mean like a non-starchy veggie. So don't be having potatoes, maybe the first thing. But some sauteed greens or in an omelet, have some eggs, have a smoothie. You're going to find that your blood sugar evens out a lot better. And you're not necessarily going to be hungry at 10 o'clock. And this is great for weight loss because at the end of the day, sure, you can restrict calories and lose weight, But again, you're going to be miserable and it's not sustainable because when you're hungry, at the end of the day, you want to eat. So what I want to do is promote foods that you can eat that will keep you from getting hungry or hangry as I like to call it. So then I told her if you are hungry around 10 o'clock, which if you start moving into a a diet that enables fat adaption, and I'll get into that in a later podcast because that's a whole other conversation. But if you move towards more of a higher fat, lower starchy carb, low to no sugar diet, and low to no grains, you're going to find that your body composition starts to change, your clarity of mind starts to change, your mood sort of mellows out, you don't get cranky, you don't get hangry, you don't get hungry. These are the sort of the things that are the solid foundation for a happy life. So this goes way beyond just changing your breakfast. These are really somewhat transformational choices. So Getting back to the snack, if you are hungry around 10, 1030, then I would recommend nut butters or nuts, some veggies, hummus if you can tolerate it. I'm finding that chickpeas are not working for me very well anymore. I like Quest Bars if you can tolerate uh, whey protein because they don't have any sugar in them. But what I would avoid with snacks are sugars without fats or fruits without fats. So again, don't be having a banana all by itself. If you want to have a banana in your life, have half a banana for a snack with two tablespoons of peanut butter. And what that's going to do is level out some of the sugar that you're consuming, which will add to your satiety levels through to lunch and also keep your insulin down more. And of course, coconut oil is always a great option as well. So moving on to what she would choose for lunch, she typically went, she never brought her lunch and she doesn't have time for it. So she wouldn't even hear my my suggestions to that regard. But typically what she ate from the cafeteria downstairs is a pizza with light cheese or a chicken wrap. So here's what I said to her about that. Again, just like breakfast, far too many starchy carbs. There's gluten and sugar, in, not only in the things that you would you know, assume they would be in, but also there's a lot of sugar in breads and things like that. And if you look at any pizza mixes, there's always cane sugar in it. I don't know why manufacturers of pizza crust insist on putting sugar in it. It's kind of disgusting, but it's in there. So again, too much sugar, not enough healthy fats. I actually don't know if there's any healthy fats in there. There might be some mayonnaise, but I don't really consider that a healthy fat because the oils used in mayonnaise, commercial mayonnaise, are typically very cheap oils. So, and probably not enough protein either to maintain satiety, maintain insulin levels, or if you want to call them blood sugar levels. And I find that most people who have 
an intolerance that they don't even recognize with wheat and gluten, get a lot of belly bloat after lunch and maybe a little bit gassy. And again, you're you're tired again by 2 p.m. So you're going for that maybe third, fourth coffee of the day just to get through the day. I know this was certainly me when I was in corporate and when before I had the information I have now, I was always exhausted by 2 p.m. And what I would do is go downstairs to the little variety shop and buy, gosh, I'd buy like pop chips or baked lays or something like that, which, you know, I would wolf down in about 35 seconds, still be hungry. And all that would do is spike my insulin levels again because it's very high in starchy carbs. So here's what I suggested to her instead. And, you know, she could look for these in her cafeteria. Just go with a salad base. Scrap the bread, folks. Just move away from the bread because there's nothing of value there. Start with a salad base. And I know you're going to think, that's gonna, I'm going to be starving. Get a salad the size of your head, a huge one. And what I would recommend with that is either bring your own salad dressing. That's something that you can pre-make and, you know, leave in your fridge at work. Or just use quality olive oil. The problem with a lot of salad, commercial salad dressings is, again, lots of sugar, very cheap oils. And I will get into the reason why you don't want to be using cheap oils in a later podcast. Um, But for now, I highly recommend as many veggies as you could stuff in your face for lunch, in addition to a healthy protein and a healthy fat. So olives, olive oil, feta cheese, you can tolerate dairy, yogurt, plain yogurt, not the fruit-based ones, very, very high in sugar there. And, you know, make it fancy, do what you want to do with it, but as as whole based as you can as possible. And another option is obviously veggie soups. And I used to make these a lot and bring them in a little thermos. I would make big batches of veggie soup. And then in the morning, I would heat up the soup and I would also put a hot a kettle of hot water on. So I would heat up the thermos. And then, so you put the hot water in the thermos to heat the the sort of the temperature base of the thermos. Then you toss out the water and you pour in the uh, soup when it's heated up. And you can get these tiny thermoses and bring those in and it's fantastic. And I would have that with protein and a salad, no problem. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. So these things do not need to be made in the morning. If you want to have a carbohydrate, cooked and cooled white potatoes are considered a resistant starch. So what that basically means is it's not going to impact your insulin levels quite as much as, let's say, a hot potato would. And it's also, it feeds good, a healthy uh, gut flora. So uh, maybe if you, the night before, you could cook a couple of white potatoes or red potatoes, boil them, and then just put them in the fridge and cut them up and then put a little bit of olive oil on top of them with a little bit of basil, a fresh basil or even dried basil if you have it, or a little bit of garlic powder. Those are really, really good. And, you know, they don't even really need to be refrigerated between the time you leave your house and having lunch. So veggie soup and potatoes and a protein with just smothered in olive oil, not smothered, maybe a tablespoon of olive oil. Fantastic. Yummy delish. So those are a few options that I gave her. She could also choose sauteed veggies or, you know, do sashimi if she was going to uh, Japanese. You know, a little bit of white rice isn't going to kill you in a roll for by any means, but generally you just kind of want to stay away from that as much as you possibly can. And then afternoon snacks, again, hummus if you can tolerate it, or I make a great cauliflower hummus where I simply just steam cauliflower and I stick it in a food processor with tahini, which is, and tahini is kind of like a peanut butter. It's actually the butter of sesame seeds and it's really tasty. And if you can't, if you don't want to buy tahini, you can use like peanut butter or sunflower butter or even almond butter. Use what you have 
but essentially it's just steamed cauliflower and nut butter, some sea salt, olive oil, lemon juice, and it makes a fantastic hummus. And you could do that with a bunch of veggies. You know, expand your horizons past the traditional carrot and celery, which I think is about as boring as anything can be. Or just do nut butters and veggies or olives and feta cheese or leftovers from lunch or another protein shake or if you haven't had one yet, I wouldn't recommend having more than one protein shake in a day. So those are some afternoon snacks if you're hungry. You may not even be hungry and that might suffice you till dinner. And then dinner, like I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record here, but as many veggies as you can stuff in your face. And while you're making those veggies, make twice as many so you can bring them for lunch the next day too. And uh, a clean, healthy protein, what does that mean? Something that's not factory farmed by far. So check out your local farmer's market or there's a website you can buy all sustainably raised, grass-fed, non-GMO meats. I think it's called Going Wild. Just Google any sort of local farm that does that. I really recommend this for your health and for the environment and for for the little animals that you're eating. That's important to me. It may not be important to you. I respect that. But I definitely think it's worth your while to invest in those higher quality meats. So, you know, roast things like Brussels sprouts and broccoli or cauliflower, zucchini, mushrooms, or you can, you know, put some olive oil on them and grill them or saute them. You can do anything with them. And the thing is with veggies, I know some of you are sitting there saying, I hate veggies. I am so never going to do this. If you roast your veggies in a little bit of butter or roast them in a little bit of coconut oil, they're going to taste so freaking good with just some salt and pepper. You need to just give it a try and then tell me you hate them because I think you're going to come back, you're going to be pleasantly surprised that they're actually not as bad as you think. And then of course, like, I mean, a little bit of dark chocolate, when I say a little bit of dark chocolate, I mean like a square or two of like 85% raw cacao is fine uh, for a little bit of dessert if you need a little something, something. And, you know, I would typically have like at least a glass of red wine with dinner, um, maybe two, depending on on how crazy I want to get, but typically never more than that. And that's essentially it. So that's that's a framework of a healthy diet. It's not going to work for everybody because the people are going to have different levels of tolerance for um, certain foods. But I think overall the goal is to stay away from crinkly packages as much as you can and really th- consider how you feel after a meal. It's funny, you know, I have a salad every day for lunch, but lately, recently I just bought some hummus. And I've been putting a couple of tablespoons of hummus in my salad because it's very creamy. It's almost like a dressing in of itself. And after lunch, I would feel bloated. And I never feel bloated after lunch. So clearly, I'm learning hummus doesn't do well for me if I do the store-bought chickpea base one. But if I make my own, it's just fine. So uh, what my takeaway there is just think about how you feel after a meal. Most of us eat our meals and just kind of go on with our day and not even think about it. But take a second to see, you know, 10 minutes after you're done, do I feel bloated? Do I feel better? Do I feel worse? Do I feel tired? Do, you know, am I starting to get cramps? And think about that 10 minutes after, 30 minutes after, and up to an hour after. Because these are really the the true tell signs of, you know, this sort of food doesn't work for you and this one does. And at the end of the day, the more that you can determine that for yourself and figure out what works for you and what does not, the greater health you're going to have overall for the long term and avoid a lot of chronic disease and a lot of unhappiness. So if anything, you know, my philosophy is, is food equals good health, or I should say good food equals good health, which equals a happy life. 
just a few pointers in terms of making this all stick because I know it's a lot. My first recommendation is to make small and incremental changes. Don't try to do everything at once because you're just going to end up frustrated and defeated. So start with maybe your morning breakfast. If you're having bagels, try something else. If you're having that wrap at lunch, try something else. But don't try to master all of your meals at once. Start with breakfast. Once you start to get the swing of that, the next month or the next week or whatever it is, however long it is before you feel a little comfortable with that change, then move on to the next one. That's not sexy information, but that is the best information I can give you about any behavior change in your life, period. So try to stay as close to what you like as you can while making better quality choices. Again, I go back to the suggestion of quality meats. Um, I would always take a multivitamin and a fish oil supplement just to kind of give you sort of that foundational physiological basis for nutrients that many of us are missing. And don't expect to go from Doritos and gummy bears to kale smoothies and chia seeds overnight. Like I said, nobody goes from A to Z in three days. Rome was not built in a day and neither was your healthy diet. So Again, take it slow, incremental, work on that low-hanging fruit first, figure out what's easy. You know, if it's, well, I don't even eat ba- uh, breakfast half the time, so I can work with that. You know, I'll either not have breakfast or, you know, choose the hard-boiled egg option or have a shake instead. That's great because I'll tell you, you don't need to force feed yourself breakfast if you're not hungry in the morning. That's a topic for another podcast, but I do believe that if you're not hungry in the morning, eat when you feel like you're hungry. Don't wait till you're starving at lunch clearly, but bring some hard boiled eggs or a protein shake with you wherever you're going and you'll be a lot better off for it. Allow yourself a treats. You know, that's why I allow myself dark chocolate and red wine. I love both of them and and I would be very sad if I had to remove them entirely from my diet. Now, either one of those are not really detrimental. I don't have a food allergy to either one. If you do have a food allergy or, or, you know, an extreme reaction to something that you love, start considering creative ways to create whatever it is you love in a way that you can tolerate. Try to avoid most grains if you can, especially gluten-containing ones, and avoid all sugars. And I'm not just talking about cane sugar, fructose corn syrup, you know, the obvious sugars that we're all trying to avoid. But, you know, when you start seeing organic coconut sugar and those sort of things, I think they're called unrefined sugars. They're still sugar. And whether they're a healthier form of sugar or not, they're still translated in the body into glucose, and they're still going to spike insulin. And at the end of the day, if you have too much insulin in your body, your body doesn't know what to do with it. So it just starts shoving them into your fat cells and it's going to make you fatter. So that's the very sort of boiled down basic understanding of why sugar is bad uh, beyond another a number of other reasons why it's not great. But if you have too much insulin in your body, it's not good. So you want to avoid sweets entirely. If you like sugar, uh, if you like the taste of sweet, I recommend stevia and I recommend xylitol, urethritol. Sorry, I can't wrap my brain around that last one or my mouth around that last one. Um, stevia is from a plant and xylitol and erythritol I'm not entirely sure where erythritol is derived from, but xylitol and erythritol are sugar alcohols, which is not sugar and it's not alcohol. It's an, again, a sweet tasting byproduct. The the xylitol I use in my product, for example, Procakes, is derived from the bark of birch trees. And it's not a sugar. It's 
consider it like cinnamon. It's like a spice with a very sweet taste to it. So what happens is it gets absorbed very slowly in the body. The liver absorbs it very slowly, unlike sugar, which is absorbed very fast. And the result of that is that it's not going to spike insulin or it's going to have a very, very small impact on it. So that's why doctors recommend diabetics, for example, to xylitol or stevia. Xylitol does have other health benefits as well. It's in most chewing gums because it actually uh, has been proven to fight oral decay, tooth decay, ear infections. So who knew? But it doesn't have as much of a bitter aftertaste as stevia does. And that's why I use it in my product. But, and erythritol is also great. It's very expensive, but not only is it not deleterious like other sugars, it feeds good bacteria in the gut. So uh, there's a lot of benefits to all three of those that I just mentioned. I can put links in my podcast, or sorry, in the show notes um, where you can get those. Typically, you can find them in most health food stores, on Amazon, Whole Foods, but you may not find it in Ralph's. By the way, you can get some stevia sources at Ralph's and Target's and stuff like that, but a lot of additives added to it. So stay away from things like Truvia, you'll see in like little boxes, and go for a raw, pure stevia if you can get it. So that's pretty much it. The only thing that I told my friend outside of those takeaways is watch your sleep. Make sure you're getting seven to nine hours. And I will tell you, you need to do this because a lot of your hormone regulation is linked to your sleep. So if you're not getting enough, your ghrelin and leptin, I think it's ghrelin, I may actually be pronouncing that wrong, but those two hormones in your body are not balanced when you sleep. So one of them is the hormone that tells you when you're full, and the other one is the hormone that tells you when you're hungry. And if you are lacking sleep, the hormone that regulates the I'm full alert goes way down. And the hormone that regulates the I'm hungry alert in your body goes way up. So I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when you have a really crappy night's sleep, the next day you're hungry all day long and you're hungry for like comfort food, for carbs, for chips and sweets and that sort of thing. I know know definitely for sure that I am. So that's a trick. It's, it's actually a, pretty much a principle of life. If you're not getting enough sleep, there's a number of conditions that will evolve from that, but mostly overeating is, is a big one. So those are my tips. I hope that this has been helpful to you. I hope that you can figure out ways of applying little pieces of this in your own life. Again, don't think that you can conquer Rome in a day. It doesn't work that way. But again, small incremental changes. With my studies through precision nutrition, one of the things that they really drive home in terms of how we coach our clients is that behavior change happens in an extremely incremental ways. And the best way to get your clients to change overall habits is to start with the easiest one. Start with habits that you know you cannot fail at. Like every day I'm gonna have a vitamin and a fish oil. Start there. And once you've got that one down, then move on to now I'm going to change my breakfast or now I'm going to change how much sleep I have at night. I can't tell you how powerful those things are over the long term. And not only will they get you down to a lean weight, it will get you there for life, people. So I hope you found that useful. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I'm going to sign off now, but not before I ask you to please leave me a review on iTunes and leave your name, if you will, and I will give you a shout out on the podcast. 
And again, I encourage you to email me if you have any questions or if there's any sort of topics that you'd like me to talk about. And if I don't feel I'm like I can address them appropriately, I'll get somebody on who can. So until next time, thanks again for listening and I'll talk to you soon.